Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. This is Ari in the Air. I am a professional action sports athlete and filmmaker and podcaster, deep thinker. I also run this podcast without ads, so if you want to donate to it, you can go to paypal.me slash in the air and make a donation. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. If you're Chris Hoyt, please don't donate. Can't have the whole show held up by one person, all right? That's just not fair. <laughs> but today we're going to talk about talking. We are going to talk about talking, and we're going to talk about it until it's talked. We're talking about utterance, its meaning, its implications, and the things we might want to think about that go unnoticed. So, without further ado, here's a kick-ass track from Cruson, and I'll see you in a second.
Okay, so I was recently down in Mexico on a little bit of a vision quest. I needed a little sabbatical for myself. And I ended up writing this little thing that I had been thinking about for quite some time. And I titled it On Utterance. On Utterance. And today I looked up the history of the word utter. And to utter something means to make it outer, external. It also means to complete it. Which I thought was very interesting and fitting, obviously. The idea of uttering something means that we take what's inside of us and we put it outside of us. Which is kind of scary that our insides are then witnessed by the outside world. So what we say is a reflection of what is inside of us. And I think that's a really, really important place to start with this. So I'll just read you this little tiny thing I I wrote when I was in Mexico. It says, on utterance. What if speaking was not just a means of communication between people, but actually a part of the universe coming alive? What if every word was divine and recorded, imprinted in existence for eternity? Would you speak with more care, with more love, compassion, thoughtfulness? Would you dream your highest dreams and utter them as a manifestation, as a prayer to the universe, asking for what is good and true and beautiful to come into existence? Well, they are. Words have power. They have power to hurt and to heal to build and to destroy, to lift each other up and to put each other down, to make meaning, to bring life, to create the future, record the past, and to celebrate the now. You have the choice between light and darkness with your words. Your words have power and that power is yours. Do not waste your power. Use it for good. We need you to use it for good. I drew that on a little paper and I took a picture of it, put it on my Instagram story. People loved it. If you don't follow me on Instagram already, you should. At Airy in the Air. Some deep thoughts on there. Some of my writing and some of my photos, some of my thoughts. So follow me on Instagram, at Airy in the Air. But... Do not waste your power. Use it for good. We need you to use it for good. Your words have power. Yes, your words have power. So much power. Wow. And there's almost like these, like, I would say that on two ends of the spectrum, you would, you could think of it as two poles on the spectrum. One would be a very nihilistic position that would say that your words don't matter, that your life doesn't matter, that the things that you do doesn't matter cosmically. And on the other end of the spectrum, you could think that every thought that you ever think is the universe coming alive and has a lasting 
imprint on the universe, on humanity. And honestly, I think that I used to be of the nihilistic approach that it didn't matter. And now the more I live and the more I see how interconnected we all are and all of our behaviors, and the more I see how parenting and partnerships and friendships and all of these things are so fragilely and delicately balanced on each other's words. It makes me think that, in fact, every single word you ever say matters. I read this samurai quote, and the samurais used to say, don't ever talk down to yourself because your body doesn't know the difference. Your mind might think, oh, you can say that, but I'm just being self-deprecating, but your body doesn't know. And if you tell your body that it can't, it doesn't know the difference between a uttered falsehood and an uttered truth. So everything you say is true to your body. So if you say that you're strong, you're strong. And if you say that you're weak, you're weak either way. Which I think is now being studied in a much more serious way. People like Joe Dispenza and this whole movement that is happening with people who are helping others understand the powerful implications of their thoughts and their words as a means to manifest their future. I think that that is being corroborated with quantum physics in a really interesting way. Um, if you want to look into that, that's Dr. Joe Dispenza. Those are books like Becoming Supernatural. There's also The Tao of Physics, which is uh, a couple decades old, but is a really interesting look at how Taoism and modern quantum physics relate. And yeah, the things that we say to ourselves and each other have profound impacts on our future. You can look at this from a personal standpoint, personal development standpoint, and say that yes, every word that you say to yourself, your body doesn't know the difference. And you look at like Dale Carnegie and these people who have written these huge, hugely popular books about becoming successful and one of the underlying messages in them is these self-affirmations, these ways that you literally are priming your subconscious for success by waking up and looking in the mirror and saying, I'm worthy, I am strong, these kind of things that are poked fun at in modern culture but have a deeply powerful history. If you look at you know, my girlfriend, Alicia is a holistic health practitioner and she is creating this course right now that is mantra meditation. And for thousands of years through yoga and Ayurveda, people have been doing these mantra meditations, which is essentially a subconscious reprogramming through 
repetitive affirmations to yourself. And it's a really super interesting subject in general. But in practice, it is sitting down and singing these things that they started in Sanskrit when people spoke Sanskrit, but now people are translating them into English so they have a more profound impact on your subconscious. But in any language, when you know the translation and you chant these things into existence over and over and over and over, and then you go out into your day and that's the song that you have stuck in your head, the song goes, I see the light in myself and I recognize it as life. And I am grateful for the life and the light. You know, this like this being stuck in your head all day has a impact on your mood and your energy and how you feel. And that seems so obvious, right? Like as opposed to, I've had this stupid fucking song stuck in my head that's my chemical romance that's I'm not okay. I'm not okay. I'm not okay. Like, And how I fucking got that song stuck in my head, I have no idea. But it's like singing that I'm not okay all day makes me not okay. But like singing that... <laughs> that I recognize the light and life in myself and I'm so grateful to be a part of the universe is like a profoundly different perspective to have on loop in your mind, right? And it's like, duh. And the tangent I would say here is that if you're trying to control a population in the way they feel, then have shitty gangster rap and shitty pop songs stuck in their fucking heads all day they're pretty much guaranteed to, you know, like if that's the mantra meditation of society, then that's not a really good sign of what's going on. Right. So on a tangent, what you listen to is, has a really profound effect on the way you feel and what song you have stuck in your head is like really important. So be very careful of the songs that you let into your head at all. And certainly the ones that get stuck in there. And consider mantra meditation, especially with Alicia, if you're looking for a course in really drilling in how powerful the utterances that we have, even in thought. The things that we tell ourselves in thought are essentially an internal utterance, so I don't think they have any difference between that and what's being said out loud, but being said out loud takes it one step further, I think. So there's a couple things, you know, like you can imagine that if you're a young child and your parent tells you something, that there are certain times when our psyches and our lives are just really ripe and fertile soil for small seeds that get planted to grow into long lasting trees. And those can be really positive things, but they can also be really negative things. So if a parent is constantly affirming their child in a positive way, hoping that the moment, hoping that one of those moments will be fertile soil for the seeds of their affirmations to land in the child's psyche, um, you can imagine that the 
vegetation that would grow out of that to be positive and uplifting for the child to grow into adulthood. And you can imagine that an abusive and demeaning parent would basically be planting seeds that when they land in ripe, fertile soil, that they grow into big, gnarly, nasty, traumatic things that the child has to work their entire life to get out from under. Those kinds of things, for example, are the child's worthiness, aptitude, the child's um, place in life or shortcomings or any of these things, you know, how they annoy their parent or, you know, the list goes on and on. And the negative and the positive can both have really powerful effects in parenting, right? The moment that you realize as you deal with other people, the moment you realize that, oh man, maybe that the way that they are acting right now is actually rooted in their childhood, how their parents treated them is like a pretty profound awakening in a person's life. And that opens the door to have a profound realization that the way you were treated and the way that you were spoken to and the way you speak to yourself has a powerful impact on the way you feel and develop as well. So parenting is a really easily understood and profound arena where the things that we say to each other have long-lasting effects, not just on the person, not just on our relationships, but literally on society, man. Like, whoa. Like, the things you say to your kids literally shape the fucking world. And that's terrifying because we got a bunch of parents out there who are constantly demeaning, constantly projecting their own embarrassment, their own shame, their own not enoughness, their own neuroses onto their children day after day after day. And the chance that the children make it through their childhood without picking up those fucking seeds and them not growing into some kind of debilitating tree is just above zero fucking percent right? Parenting is the soil from which society grows. And we've got a bunch of fucking parents who are planting all kinds of shitty seeds in their children that then grow up to be the dysfunction that we see in the world. Hoof, right? Fuck, be careful what you say to children in general. The next thing is pleasantries. I think that people say over and over how much of an impact you can have on someone's life by smiling and saying hello to them in public. And some levels I agree with that. And it's true. Having someone smile and greet you is uh, something that can be neurologically uplifting. And anything that's neurologically uplifting in society iterated over and over and over and over and over is a positive impact in the world. So even just smiling and saying hello can have a pretty positive impact on the world that is taking your own joy that is inside of you and uttering it out into the world, into the universe, into society, right? And then the last thing that I want to really dig into is partnerships and how we talk to our partners and how Yeah, how we how we talk to our partners and the effects that that's, those things have. So a couple things recently in my day-to-day, or in my own experience, I should say. One is 
that I've had some inquiries around my own relationship lately, its inception, its health and function, its future, and having any kind of uncertainty and inquiry around those things is kind of painful for both people. Um, We like to have certainty and security in our relationships. And anytime a person's like, Hey, like, is this, are we a perfect fit? Or like, are we doing it right? Like, is our relationship built on solid foundation? Like, did we kind of screw it up? And if we did, like, what do we do? And I basically know that my inquiries are deeply painful to my girlfriend, but still need to be shared at some level with care And I found that no matter how much I preface my inquiry with, hey, I'm not sure like where this is coming from in myself and I'm definitely not convinced that these things are true or that they are, uh, need to be like addressed, like I, but I, I know that they need to be expressed. And so even with all the prefacing and even with the clarifications after, I still find that the painful inquiry that I'm in is what sticks. Which doesn't mean that you have to avoid your expression of your painful inquiries, but it's just a, it's just a telling sign that the words that we say to each other have profound impacts on how we feel and how we see the world and, and they need to be cared for as such, right? So another thing that I have worked diligently to remedy in myself as a partner is basically I'm the middle of three boys, right? And I grew up fighting. I grew up fighting in every sense of the word, physically, verbally, um, competitively, just pretty much constantly. I would say I was in constant conflict, conflict in my home life. And into adulthood and into my partnerships, that manifested itself as poking fun at my partner, giving her a hard time. And it's so socially acceptable in our society to poke fun at your partner and to make them the butt of the joke, little small demeanings, right? And This past weekend, I went out camping and I met a couple who lives here in Bend and they're really lovely. They're young, they've been together for five years and they're really lovely people, both of them individually and together. They're quite a lovely couple and I'm really happy to meet and know them. Lovely couples are something I take great joy in experiencing. But there were a couple of things that I saw in him that I saw in me. And it was like so reminiscent. And it's crazy to see my own shortcomings or my own habits in another person. It's, it provides some clarity as to what I'm doing in my own life. But the thing that I noticed was that just making your partner the butt of the joke, even small things. And I typically, in my own experience, I, I love humor. I have a amazingly developed sense of humor. I love to make jokes. I make jokes all day, every day. It is one of my strongest suits. 
is to take life very lightly and to make jokes and to see humor and to see what is funny about existence, right? That's one of my greatest gifts. And I would say, oh, it's funny. And I realized later that it was a huge cop-out that I was using to abuse, demean, project my own shit onto my partner. It was a fucking excuse. It was an excuse. When I would hurt my partner, I'd say, oh, come on, like, it's funny. It was just a joke. Come on, it was just a joke. But it's not a fucking joke, really. Like, it's actually coming from somewhere deep in my subconscious that is... If I'm being impatient and I'm making fun of her for being slow, that probably comes from my own not enoughness that I'm slow, that I'm going to be left behind, that like myriad reasons, right? And the deeper you dig into why you say the things you say, you'll find that they have deep rooted implications from long ago that have been habituated into your speech, right? And you don't want to be habituated. You don't want to be conditioned. You want to be conscious and aware. So everything that you say, you want to be conscious and aware of not only the words that you use, but the implications that they have, right? Because like I said in the beginning of this podcast, you can use your words for good or you can use your words for bad. Like, And no matter if you accidentally do bad or you know, you're habituated into doing bad, these small little demeanings, like if you're unconscious to them, you're still like doing bad and doing bad in your own relationship is like shooting yourself in the foot, man. It's like shooting yourself in the foot. And so as I saw their relationship, there were just small demeanings, small little poking fun at each other. And it wasn't just one way. It wasn't just him to her. It was also her to him. But for, in my experience, it's very natural from him to her. It's a very masculine thing to do is to poke fun at your buddies. And when it goes from her to him, it feels very unnatural. And in a way, it is bringing her out of her femininity. And it is erasing the polarity between the two people. And they're actually very polar. She's very feminine. And he's very masculine. And for her to try to reciprocate the kind of chummy poking fun at each other that he brings into the relationship brings her out of her femininity. And I think that that is probably at the detriment of their connection. I also think that it's just a little tiny chipping away at the foundation and the safety and the security in a relationship. Okay. And I also will very clearly state that this is not to say that you can never make fun of each other, that you can never make each other the butt of your jokes. But the reality is that when you're doing this, it's almost like verbal tickling, right? It's like tickling each other. You're like, oh, tickling is fun. Tickling is fun. It's all, you know, the intent of tickling is not malicious. But you have to remember, tickling is a pain response, Tickling is a fucking pain response, man. Like that's where it lives in our brain. And so you have to ask yourself, how often do you want to elicit a pain response in your partner? That's a big fucking question. How often do you want to elicit a pain response in your partner? How often do you just say, oh, it was a joke when you elicited a pain response in your partner and you try to cover it up with it being funny? 
man. How often do you want to do this in your friends, in your family, in anyone? It's not to say never, because you can, you can have a really good time with a child tickling the child. But like, I'll tell you from personal experience, I grew up with an uncle who was like on the Olympic development wrestling team. He was very physical. He would tickle me until I peed or cried. And by the time I was 17 and he was still doing it, it really wasn't that funny, you know? And I literally, that's a funny exaggeration. I hope you laughed there. (laughs) But it literally ruined my relationship with him. I just, I just became habituated to feeling that when he came over, that I was going to experience a pain response. And I literally hated him. I still struggle with not trying to not hate him, right? He was so far over the line in his tickling that I literally hated him. I knew that if he came over that I would experience a pain response. You do not want to habituate your partner into feeling a pain response around you. Man, you really don't. My girlfriend Alicia is so sensitive and when we started dating I would tickle her a little bit and it was like immediately clear that it was so not okay and I was like huh like huh weird maybe she's like untickleable and then I just kind of realized that tickling her is a little bit different because she has a a lower tolerance for it. And so in our relationship, I've come to learn that I can tickle her, but it's a more gentle, it's less often, and it's much more important to be in the exact right space in our connection for that to even be remotely okay. And I think that in my past relationship, I habituated my girlfriend into having to deal with me blowing off steam or projecting my own not enoughness by poking fun at her and and making her the butt of my joke and in general being unconscious with what I was saying and the impacts that it was having in our relationship and in her psyche, right? Because you have to think about every person's environment having profound impacts on their nervous system and how they feel and those things literally go into the world and they create the world that we live in right like if everyone in the whole world was like happy and supported and excuse me and felt like they were enough then we would have a happy fucking awesome world and if everyone thought that they were pieces of shit walking around then we'd have a shitty world and literally the things that you say and do to your partner and your children and your friends are literally shaping the world. So like, watch your fucking mouth. Seriously. And I do not say that from a place of like righteousness. I say that from a place of I have lived multiple decades as a person who has constantly had to apologize for crossing the line trying to be funny. I have crossed the line trying to be funny in every nearly every relationship I have ever been in with every friend it's like just take it from me 
you got to watch your mouth. I have a f- I have friends who really go a long ways in doing no harm because they just shut up more often than I do, <laughs> which might be a good technique if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all kind of thing. But <sighs> yeah, fuck, watch your mouth, man, especially with your partner especially with your partner. Like the connection you have with your partner is like really delicate and really sacred. And you got to speak like you know that and speak like you care about that. And then that goes out to everyone, right? How you speak to everyone, how you speak to yourself. Your body doesn't know the difference. You're a samurai. And if you, if you tell your body it's weak and slow, then it'll be weak and slow. It doesn't know the difference. So be careful with the things that you utter into the world. The things that you think and the things that you say are literally manifestations of the universe. Like that is literally your being coming online. That is like, that is you being alive is thinking and then saying is taking that and putting it into the world. So watch what you say. Make it a positive thing. Be careful with what you poke fun at in your partner you don't want to elicit a pain response in your partner be very very careful of any kind of making fun of especially especially in public especially in front of someone else oh my god you can totally ruin your relationship like that i don't want that for you i want you to have beautiful long lasting um connected relationships and so Thanks for listening. I hope this is helpful. We'll see you on the next episode, my friends. Love you, love you. See ya.